Have you ever wondered how do you grow a socially conscious and environmentally friendly e-commerce brand online while also making a profit? Yeah, me too. After watching my family members suffer through cancer and heart disease using products by companies that care more about profits than their customers, there must be a better way, right? That's when I discovered an emerging wave of successful, purpose-driven businesses, and I knew I needed to be a part of it. So join me as we dive into the stories behind the most inspiring brands in the world and discover the secrets on how they successfully win over the vote of their customers' wallets and grow their business online. My name is Vincent Tanyono, and welcome to the E-Commerce Speak Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the E-Commerce Speak Podcast. I'm so happy today I have a super special guest. His name is Ryan Wood. Hello, hello. Ryan is a growth marketing and media strategist through and through. And over the past 10 plus years, Ryan has generated over $100 million on performing advertising campaigns. And he has generated hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and also helped to drive nearly $1 billion Yes, a billion in company exits. And today, Ryan works as a plug and play growth and media strategist for brands that are generating between 5 million to 100 million uh, and who wants to massively accelerate their run rate. So I'm super excited with what Ryan's going to be sharing here. I'm sure he's going to drop a lot of uh, golden nuggets. So uh, get your pens and notes ready and welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you, Vincent. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm always curious because everyone has an interesting story. And just now you were mentioning to me that you, you've run some charity, run some mission work uh, yeah. in the past. Uh, tell me a bit about your story, uh, a little bit about that. And also, like, how do you end up being in, a, in the growth marketing space? Yeah, for sure. So I've been doing growth and growth marketing now for about 11 years. Um, this for me started in 2009, where some friends and I, out of all businesses, decided we wanted to start a conference. Uh, where we would bring people in, entrepreneurs from all around the world to teach them how to inject social good into their business models. It was called Identity Conference. Um, and it, like, and just a quick quick note, like the give back space is just a huge part of my ethos of who I am and who my, my wife is and kind of like what our kind of vision is for, for our lives and lives we're trying to build. And um, so it just, it started way back then. Anyways, fast forward from 2009 to 2011, uh, we we left the conference business and started a company called Sevenly, uh, and for every seven days we would partner with a new charity. And for every product that we sold, we would donate seven dollars to that week's featured charity. Um, that was we started that right when like Tom's Shoes was doing really well. They were on like a rocket ship. Everybody was talking about them. They were kind of like the like the like the big social good driver in the in, in the in the marketplace, or at least within our market segment, like the whole give back, buy one give one uh, model, and uh, it aligned with who we were. And uh, the Sevenly was actually founded, co-founded by my buddy uh, Del Partridge, um, and so I he had found, he he had started that in June 2011. Um, he was previously running the conference that I was at in 2009, and I left the conference business, joined his team in in December of 2011. Uh, and I want to say in like the first year, first six months, excuse me, first six months of business, we did like $700,000 in, in revenue. Um, and we had donated, uh, I don't know, what does that equate to, you know, 200, a couple hundred grand uh, to charity. And we were like, oh my gosh, did we, 
one, did we just start a million dollar business? Two, uh, did, are we really giving writing a check for a quarter million dollars to charity? And like, like it was just like this whole like, you know, like pinch me. Is this even real? You know. Um, and so we did that, and then uh, th- that was in 2011. In 2012, I want to say we did uh, three million. 2015, 2013, it was like five point two million or something like that. The numbers might be muddled up, but it was like it was like our first legit experience into starting and scaling a multi million dollar business. And we get we got, gave away over a million dollars that uh, in the, those years to to different charities. So. That was a whole lot of fun. So I left that in 2014. Um, between 2014 and 2017, I had basically came, went, and, went and did my own freelance thing. I was just wasn't really sure what I was going to do next steps in my professional career, and so I went and partnered with a handful uh, of people. You know, some of the world's largest nonprofits, like you know um, American Cancer Society, down to like little Bay Area startups to build growth strategy for them. You know, whether it was donor acquisition or uh, app downloads or you know, uh, new customer acquisition or retention for e-commerce businesses. I just worked with a handful of people to kind of refine and hone my skills. And then in 2017, I took a job as a head of growth for an agency called Stealth Venture Labs, which was out of San Francisco. Um, and then I went from head of growth into the VP of strategy for that team. Uh, and by the time I worked with I, my tenure there uh, was about three and a half years, a little over three years, three and a half years, mid 2017, late 2017 through to January of this year. Um, and, uh, that team, it was just me and two other guys at the beginning there. And then we grew that, we grew that agency into, uh, a, a book where I had 35 people on my team across media, different media buying, uh, and creative develop, creative orgs and, and, and account management orgs. And I oversaw about $65 million a year, uh, as I was leaving about $65 million a year in performance advertising budget. Um, which is performance, the difference between like, I say performance because it's like there's direct return on ad spend and CAC CPA targets associated with all of that money. It wasn't just like go spend to go buy impressions. You know what I mean? Uh, which is what a lot of people do. So, um, and I, I, I left that, took a CMO role for eight months and um, decided that being in a vertical brand just wasn't for me. And here I am back today. I started a company called uh, Woodmill um, and Woodmill is a growth strategy uh, a growth strategy firm where I come in and partner with different different brands and owners to figure out like, okay, well, here's where we are today. Here's where we're going to be in one, three, and five years from now. And I develop all the roadmaps for them. Um, and uh, whether you're doing, or, or the business is doing 5 million a year and they're trying to kind of get their sea legs in the market, you know, or they're doing a hundred million, which I've had a couple of brands that, we, that I worked on like Home Chef, um, and Factor, which both of them, Home Chef sold for 700 million, Factor sold for 277 million. Um, I've worked with brands in all different sizes. So today, through Woodmill, um, that's what I'm doing. I'm partnering with brands to help them think critically about the next evolution of growth in their business when we're developing media plans or new channel R&D initiatives, things of that nature. So here yeah, I thanks. am. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really fascinating that... Over 11 years, you've been in the growth space and starting like helping charities and then now helping lots of different uh, companies. And so yeah. where does someone start if they want to have a, like a growth strategy? And does it differ like if somebody is, let's say, is a 5 million company versus somebody that is like already like almost 100 million? So where do they yeah. start? Starts in the P&L. Um, that's where it starts. So, and it also starts with just like, it starts with the dream, man, you know? Um, 
And those two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? Because there's proper stewardship of the business, which is managing the PL properly. Uh, and then there's also developing the big vision for what how this business wants to grow. And you know, I would say, like, if 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 somebody is in this part where they're looking to wanting to double down and get aggressive on the and accelerating the growth run rate of their brands, like we need it, we need to, it starts with developing a financial pro forma rev or revenue model um, that articulates the percentage of growth that they want over the previous year or previous quarters. And once you have those numbers, those can just be like, and honestly, those can be like back and napkin math type stuff. You know, it could be, Hey, I think I did last year. I did hypothetically speaking last year, I did a million in the fourth quarter. I want to do a million five in the fourth quarter of this year. Like we just need to, we need to set a target. Um, and then once you have those targets, those targets can be loose. They're never written in stone because there's market realities. Once you start deploying tactic and strategy, um, but I would say if you're like starting brand new, come up with some tar- revenue targets, have some reasoning behind those revenue targets. They need to be reasonable. They can't be like, I want to 10X my business over the next three months. That's not going to happen, right? Um, but develop reasonable targets. And then once you have those reasonable targets, start start reverse engineering. Reverse engineering. So let's start and go through a design thinking exercise on how we build a roadmap of tactics, how we how like we develop a pool of, of talent. We can develop the tactics, but who's going to execute those tactics, whether it's from an agency or an individual people, contractors, et cetera. Um, and then everything else will fall into place from that. Mm-hmm. So do you usually uh, plan it out by quarters? You know, it starts with it starts annualized. Um, we need to know what the annual what the annual revenue targets are for the for the business. Uh, and most founders will have an idea, right? Like, let's say if somebody's doing five, they did five million last year. They'll know that they want to probably do six million um, because they want to they want to get twenty percent annual growth over the previous year or something like that. Uh, but it's, it has to start annualized, and you, and then you segment those out by quarter. And so, a lot of brands that I work with are direct to consumer, um, whether it's in the food delivery space or like in the apparel space or CPG consumer product goods. Um, uh, and so the, like, you'll set your quarter, your, your monthly targets, which will roll up into quarterly targets, which will then roll up in your annual targets. Um, and once you have those really the, the, the rest, I mean, it can be complex and complicated, but the rest really, it really isn't. It's just figuring out like, okay, now what do we need to do to get there? So now that we have the, uh, the strategy in place, our, like the goals that we want, um, what, what would be the next step? Into, into implementing that uh, that growth strategy that is already uh, that you want to carry out. Yeah, we got to know the pay, there's got to be a paid advertising. Plan. So there's three there's three components to any to, to marketing, right? Um, there's paid media, owned media, and earned media. Um, there are things that there are, of these three things, they are not all equally controllable. The number one controllable lever within any uh, growth strategy is your paid advertising. Um, the second most controllable is your uh, owned media, so paid media and owned media. So I always start in that or- that sequence of pri- order of priorities. What is my paid top of funnel development strategy going to be? Most people will default to Facebook ads or to Google AdWords. Like those are just the two first two things people come up with and say, like I, I want to run some ads. Where do I go? Well, Facebook and Google. But like those are the two things any founder are going to think about, right? So. Um, 
I would say we need we need to start with our page with our page strategy. Um, depending on the time of year and what you're going to deploy, who is your customer? Well, first and foremost, um, if it's going to be you know like a Gen X or is it Gen Y? Gen X or Gen Y? What's what's the youngest one? Like I'm a millennial. What's the one below us? Is it Gen I X? I think it's Gen Y. I think. Is it Gen Y? Okay, so I'm, I'm not sure myself. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, I'm the, it, but like Gen Y, if, if we're selling to like young ladies between the ages of 18 and 25, I'm probably not looking at Facebook. I'm probably looking somewhere like TikTok or Snapchat mm-hmm. or you know something in nature. So it's like we want to develop a paid media strategy. We want to define who that customer is, and then we want to once we've defined those target personas, we want to back into which channels we want to develop a paid strategy around. Uh, and then the function of that paid strategy. Um, is going to be on top of funnel development. For, secondary from that is once we start going through our media planning exercise and figuring out how we are going to drive traffic to the site, um, it's the it's developing our own media strategy. So text message marketing, email lists, making sure that those two functions are set up and, and ready to capture that that inbound traffic from those paid ads uh, because those that owned media is going to make that top of funnel traffic much more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, without getting too deep into the weeds of it, when you own a number or an email, you can talk to those people on multiple occasions without having to pay for that impression after you've already captured it. So it's like those two functions are like priority number one, priority number two, equally important. Um, one's more controllable than the other, uh, but but without paid media, your your mid funnel tactics don't are, are null. You're like there's no way for them to function because they have nothing feeding them. You know. So you've got your growth plan, you've got your revenue targets down, you know how much money, you know, how much revenue you want to generate and when, what times of the year, you've got it broken out by monthly, quarterly, annually. From there, it's design thinking around what channels we need to activate in order to get the right amount of traffic with the right conversion rates in order to hit those revenue targets. And so we've got to go through a paid media exercise and then we've got to make sure that we've got a good um, owned media strategy in place too, so that the efforts that we're putting into the top of the funnel are further capitalized because now we own those folks um, uh, as, as we kind of get going. Yeah, so now that after we already have the uh, strategy in place, what kind of expectations should a founder have when they're first um, when they implement this the growth strategy that they've already put in place? Yeah, they should expect it to not work out of the game. <laughs> um, it's funny, right? Because it's like, look, guys, you can have the best plan in the world but and and of course like hiring somebody with experience to build that plan for you you're going to capitalize on their intuition and their and their experience in the marketplace so you're going to have a higher percentage chance of it actually working according to plan but make no mistake nothing ever works according to plan a hundred percent so the expectation should be out of the gate that things like okay we've got some good baseline assumptions here Here's what our plan is. We're going to execute the plan, but expect that plan to change once the once you get live into the marketplace. Very rarely does anything ever go perfectly out of the gate. And founders, especially founders of, of young businesses that are young in their life cycle, likely they're already used to this idea of like nothing's ever going the way I want it to. But even even big brands, it's the same thing. It's like nothing, your expectation should be like, okay, I'm, I've got an idea, but I'm going to be fully prepared and agile enough to be able to pivot uh, and make decisions after I start getting data through the pipeline. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I would say that's the number one thing. Yeah, adjusting the data is super important. Yeah, 
And so what, what do you see is like the biggest mistakes that you see founders make when they are executing a growth strategy? Panicking. Um, the, so what I love dearly about found, founders is that they have vision and um, passion about their products a lot of times. Um, and they so badly believe in it, you know, uh, which is like, you can't manufacture that. Like that, that is something that is the most valuable thing on the planet. Like the, the best entrepreneurs in, in the world have this vision and they're, and they're like, they dedicate their lives to it. You know what I mean? But also sometimes in the, in the, when you're in that deep into this thing, like founders can panic at, at the earliest signs of something not going according to plan especially new founders, new entrepreneurs. And that's normal, right? Like when we've got money tied up into this, we've got, you know, the, we've got any number of things that, that, that have us personally tied to this thing actually working and succeeding. Um, so it's normal to feel that when something's not going according to the plan. But when you're, I think what's really important is like, you've got to, ex if you're expecting this to not go according to plan and you've got plan, you've got plan A, but plan B and C, depending on hypothetical scenarios like that, if with that, without that kind of planning, the natural reaction is to panic because you have no idea what to do next. So I think that's the number one mistake founders do. They put all their eggs in a single basket, expect that basket to, to work flawlessly out of the gate. It doesn't, they don't know what to do. Therefore they panic and they start kind of acting like a bull in a China shop. You know what I mean? So I think it's, um, but in doing that, especially if you have a team, you cause a bad work environment because now people are operating out of fear versus out of creativity and innovation. Um, and you can't, you can't build a business, can't scale a business doing that. In, in my, in my, I mean, you can, but you're going to scale a business to where you're going to have high, super high employee turnover rate and nobody's going to want to work with you. Um, and so, yeah, I think panicking is probably the number one mistake that I see founders make. So I think like expecting that things are not going to work. And so to, to plan ahead and see like, to pivot, when to pivot, and things like that, and keeping calm, so make sure they, making sure that the team members are also calm. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like, it, it just it's our expectation should be. Let me use the baseball analogy. Okay, so in baseball, if you're batting 300 for your career, you've had a you've had a really good career, especially if you're in the major leagues. If you batted 300 for your entire career in the major leagues. Um, you're at, you had a great career, but guess what that also means for, for the, for, I mean, that means that if I'm batting 300, that means out of 10 at bats, I've had three really good at bats, but that also means I've had seven not good at bats. So baseball is a game of failure, but failure is never what it seems. Um, failure is this myth made up in the mind of man to put a label on something that didn't go according to their expectation. Um, and so We've got to perceive, like, if we come into this ball game um, expecting this thing to not pan out perfectly and to ex expecting to have to pivot um, and do different things based off of market realities, then you're going to look back in three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, be like, what the hell just happened? This is completely not how I thought it was going to go. It's better than how I thought it was going to go in so many different weird and interesting ways. But you can't do that if you're operating from like this state of panic. It's just, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Because you're not creative. You're not innovative. You're not going to deploy vision. You're going to piss everybody off who's working around you or for you. Um, and you're going to lose your team. So 
Yeah. You know, I just I, can't do it. Definitely. The right mindset is, is super important. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so Absolutely. Brian, you've been in the growth marketing space in for over 11 years. I'm curious though, what trends do you see in the next few years? Hmm. What trends do I see? Um, iOS 14 basically nuked the efficacy of a lot of um, in-app advertising. So Facebook ads, really any social networking apps, anywhere where you're dependent on a pixel in your browser to to pass data back to ad platforms. I mean, that whole process just got really squirrely and and nine nine out of 10 brands that were using Facebook for performance advertising as their primary are in a world of hurt right now um, because their their entire, especially if they were super dependent upon it. So here's what here's where I'm going with that. I, I think performance advertising is going to dramatically evolve. Um, and I think the important, as if it wasn't already, but the importance of text message marketing very specifically and messenger marketing and even email to a degree um, um, are going to dramatically increase in importance. In addition to, in addition to that, uh, and I'll go back onto the email thing here in just a second. I think the importance of traditional media, um, radio, television, um, I think like audio streaming services, the importance of that paid advertising from a performance point of view are also going to dramatically increase as well. Um, and very specifically, one that I've got my eye on, particularly very closely right now, is, is connected TV, CTV, um, advertising on things like YouTube television or Sling or Hulu. Um, it's it's connected TV. It could be called OTT. It's called a lot of different things, right? Um, and OTT stands for over the top marketing. But there are solutions out there where you can place pixels on those types of media placements and track performance, direct response performance from those. Um, and so I just think the entire performance advertising world is shifting outside of the likes of Facebook, outside of the likes of um, any really in-app network dependency. Um, I think paid search advertising is going to become even more uh, impactful and important for direct response advertising, even though it's a demand capturing platform and not a demand generating platform. Um, and so I just see a, a monumental shift happening in the media landscape very specifically that is going to force performance marketers and entrepreneurs who maybe do their own in-house advertising to think completely differently around how they are acquiring customers using paid advertising. Um, I think the tracking functions between pixels or server-side tracking versus pixel-side browser tracking, I think this entire thing's going to change. 12 months from now, uh, 24 months from now, this entire damn landscape is going to look completely different. And I think um, growth marketers and growth strategists are going to be forced to also evolve and become pioneers into cracking the code on how we go back to traditional media to use traditional media as, as our pseudo replacement for Facebook ads. Uh, no, not everybody's going to agree with that statement, right? Some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, Facebook is more important than ever. Like, no, dude, it, it, you can't see anything anymore on iOS devices. You know, so like you can chop that up in, in, in every which way. Um, and with 90 plus percent of people opting out of being tracked by Facebook, that's not going to help and do anybody a favor from a performance advertising point of view. So, you know, it's 
we're going to talk in a year and a half from now and we're going to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I'd be running television ads again for my, my startup brand. But television media costs are going to go way down because um, they're going to have to, you know, connected TV is another great example. Like instead of having $50,000 minimum placements, they're going to be self-serving connected TV ads 12, 24 months from now. <clears throat> and that's really good for us. We need, we need this. Like brands need to be weaned off of their dependency on Facebook advertising uh, and other, other advertising of the likes. So yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. I, I really love what you shared that, that there are many advertising opportunities out there, even like those oh, yeah. connected TV. And if you say that they can be tracked, that they'll be even more amazing. So I think it's oh, a yeah. challenging space, definitely in the next 12 years, but definitely an exciting one with many changes. Oh yeah. yeah. I agree, man. Yeah. So Ryan, totally love your sharing today. So if people want to check out uh, your brand, uh, your, your uh, bootmail uh, media, and if they want to follow your work, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, for sure. So um, my website is woodmillstrategy.com. Like woodmill, think of W-O-O-D-M-I-L-L, woodmillstrategy.com. And my email is R, literally just the letter R, at woodmillstrategy.com as well. Um, and if you go look at me on LinkedIn, you can just like search Ryan Wood and look for the bald guy with the American flag in his photo. <laughs> That's going to be me. I'm going to have that photo on there forever. So it's pretty, pretty recognizable. Um, and just say, so send me a, a link, a connect request on, on LinkedIn, send, drop me an email. Um, I'm finishing up a couple of touches on the site right now. And I, I'd love to talk with, I just, I just want to talk to people. I want to hear from entrepreneurs around what, where they are at. Um, and, what struggles they're having today. And, you know, cause there are a lot of people out there who are very smart and intelligent and really good thinkers, um, that, that can, that can help. Um, I'm just one. Right. But, um, yeah, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to connect with anybody who has questions or needs help processing this. Like I'm a really good listener. Um, so I, I can definitely listen to somebody and help them make sense of whatever's going on in their business. And so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, so I will connect. definitely leave the links in the um, show notes as well. Woodmanstrategy.com and also your LinkedIn and your email. So get in touch with Ryan Wood. And Ryan, before we wrap this up, is there any final takeaways that you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, actually, I just want to encourage people to, to keep going and never stop. Um, the entrepreneurial journey is turbulent. It is hard. It is frustrating, uh, but it is exhilarating. It is life-giving. Um, and it is what you were made to do. And so when you feel like giving up because nothing's going your way, um, or because it feels like there's no end in sight, or you just don't know, like it's it, like entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial journey can be lonely. I, and I just want, and I know this because and I know there's people listening to this right now who are going to, this is going to resonate with. I just want to encourage people to keep going and, and, and never give up. And if you feel like giving up, I want you to email me and, and allow me to talk to you. Um, Cause I firmly believe that, um, you know, we're, we're put on this earth to do something. And um, if somebody feels strongly about what they're doing right now and they feel like it is kind of what they're meant to do, um, they need to keep at it. And I want to help encourage people to do that. So, yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah, keep going. Never give up. I appreciate Never give up. Yeah, I appreciate you being here, Ryan. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Awesome. Sounds good. Likewise.